0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Engage Eight Podcast. I'm your host Zach with my two co-hosts Josh and Mike. In today's episode, episode number 28, we have a lot to go over. uh Happy Thanksgiving to everybody who celebrated this past weekend. We got three Thanksgiving games to go over, all the games from today. And as always, we are recording during Sunday Night Football, and we got a lot of interesting storylines to go over as well. A Matt Canada-less Steelers offense who kind of exploded. Uh, potentially the game of the year between the Buffalo Bills and the Philadelphia Eagles. And we got a new segment, actually, at the, end of the, at the end of the episode. So if you guys hang around for that, we will not disappoint. Josh, you want to get us started with your Detroit Lions?
1: Yep, I can. The Lions, uh, their bad play in the past couple of weeks, finally caught up to them. They lose their seventh straight game on Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday, and I think I'm starting to come to the conclusion that it's the thought of Thanksgiving that makes it my favorite holiday because I think, oh, I get to watch the Lions, and then I get to eat a ton of good food and drink beer and do nothing else all day. And then when it actually comes around and it's about like 1 p.m. Central and the Lions are losing in the second half, it's like, fuck, I don't know if I like this anymore. But <laughs> the, at the end of the day, they've been playing bad. in The past couple of weeks, they played really, really bad against the Bears at home, came out uh, lucky to win that game and could not do the same this week, even though it looked like they were going to try at the end. Off through three picks last week, fumbles three times this week. Uh back-to-back games with three turnovers from your quarterback is just not ideal. Uh, especially when he's just losing the ball on broken plays. And uh speaking of the him having to lose the ball on these broken pray- plays, the offensive line for the Lions had their first bad game in a few years, honestly, since they drafted Panay Sewell. Um, there's real no no real explanation for this, honestly. It's just one of those things, you have the best O-line in the league, you're going to have games where they get beat, and they put golf under pressure, and golf just could not respond. He seems like he might have a little bit of the yips right now, too, Golf does, and that's a little scary. I hope he can get over that. I saw some Lions fans on Twitter saying, just, uh, start Teddy for next game and let golf get a week off. Uh, it's not the NBA, so we're definitely not doing that. But the secondary for the Lions has been pretty trash uh, for most of the season, except for Three games, I think it was weeks three, four, five, it was when they played the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Bucks. Their secondary was pretty good in those games. Happens to be three pretty bad teams. But outside of those games, uh, the secondary has been horrible all season. Jordan Love really got comfortable this week uh, and last week playing against bad secondaries and has been been playing pretty good in that stretch. Um, The Packers did a good job of limiting the run. Uh, forcing golf to throw, and like I said, the pass rush getting home and making golf get out of the pocket uh, and have to scramble for some runs was the recipe for success for them. Uh, just sucks uh, to lose again on Thanksgiving, but they got to figure it out. Tough home stand here. Uh, now you got to go into New
0: Orleans next week. Yeah, you covered the lines pretty well, so I'll kind of stick to the Green Bay side of things. Jordan Love, I think you could argue this was his best game as a starter this entire season. Uh, He was very smart with the ball. A lot of his passes, especially that one touchdown to Jaden Reed, just precise placement, very impressive. It shows why arm talent is such a much sought-after trait as you look at quarterbacks in the draft pool. Uh, They didn't have too much of a run game. A.J. Dillon had 14 carries for 43 yards, nothing too impressive. But the receivers, Christian Watson, he had two catches in I believe the first three plays, one of which was a 50-yard bomb, which honestly was a little underthrown, but – Watson still worked his way back to the ball, which is something you've been looking for from him as a uh, receiver you trade up for in the second round in the draft. Uh, Malik Heath was actually their second leading receiver, which is something I did not know until I saw the box score at the end of the game. And Jaden Reed, like I mentioned earlier, he had that really nice touchdown catch and made plays in both the run and pass game. And like you mentioned, Josh, uh, Green Bay's pass rush, they got home and their old line kept the lines from finishing some pass rushes. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson made a couple decent plays in the run game and as well creating some pressure in the pass game, but it was not enough. Lions fell in a really deep hole early and just couldn't get themselves out of it.
2: Yeah, it was a great game for the Packers. They continue to spread the ball out. It seems like when Jordan Love is able to get that lead early, we've seen it now in back-to-back weeks, this uh, Packers team is a lot better. Um, I wouldn't say it's crazy to say this is the best game of his career. Um, They got the positive game ship and they look good. When he plays from behind, he seems to try to make play all the time. Doesn't really work for him. They can run the ball when they're ahead, and uh, 125.5 QBR, 268 yards, three touchdowns. He had his longest run of his career with 37 yards. He just had a great game. The Lions' defense has to figure it out. Um, we said that when they play the Eagles, what are they going to do against mobile QBs? And uh, that's just that's a big issue. I just think their defense as a whole is a big issue right now. Um, Aiden Hutchinson has to be better now. It's basically about seven and a half quarters where he's been pretty quiet. He has to step up and if he wants to be a deep white candidate, he has to prove it every single week. You can't have games off. Um, just they, The defense just has to be better. Golf has to limit the turnovers. But you don't want to hit your high too early. So hopefully this is just a low for the Lions right now and they can get their high when they're in the playoffs and go on a Super Bowl run.
1: Yeah, we've seen uh, some of the great teams even this year uh, in the NFL have their bad streaks. We saw it with the Niners, they lost three in a row. Uh, the Chiefs are kind of maybe starting to hit that now. The Dolphins had their little period. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, there are a lot of problems on this team. Personally, I do not think Aiden Hutchinson is one of them. He is the only top one of the only top level uh, ed players in the league that has virtually no help. I mean, they're we the problem with this Lions D line, they have so they're deep because they have so many guys. But from after Aleem McNeil, who's a a run defending D tackle, he just happens to have five sacks because he's a beast. Outside of Aleem McNeil, two through seven is just not there's nothing for Hutch. We had James Houston last year who showed up as a great pass rusher. He breaks his leg early in the year. So he's Hutch has had been put in a really tough spot. He was playing really, really well and now teams are realizing that, yeah, we can just throw two guys at him or motion over a tight end and just have the left tackle or the right tackle and the tight end both double-team him and give him no chance to do anything because we know we're not going to beat on the other get beat on the other side. So I've seen a lot of hutch slander on Twitter from Lions fans. I know a lot of them are probably just Michigan State fans uh, that are just hating on him. But at the end of the day, I don't think he's the problem here. But – we can move on here. Uh, Commanders at Cowboys, the second Thanksgiving game. Uh, the Cowboys defeated them 45-10. to 10. Uh, Bland breaks the pick-six record late in the game. That was a big moment for that to happen on Thanksgiving is great. Um, for it to happen this early in the year is just so impressive. He can go and set that record even more and just extend his lead uh, on the pick-six record. The Cowboys continue to dominate these bad teams. They've been doing it all season. They beat the shit out of the Giants twice. They beat the Commanders now really, really well. The Panthers, they've been kicking the shit out of these bad teams. And that's what you have to do as one of the best teams in the league, especially when you're going to play a cupcake schedule like that. I mean, look at the Lions right now. They just played the Packers and the Bears, almost lost to the Bears and got smoked by the Packers for most of the game. So teams like the Cowboys need to continue to beat up on these bad teams. The Lions were doing it early. Now they're not. But regardless, the Cowboys have been doing it all season. It's been really impressive. Sam Howell and the Commanders, they did hang in there, though. The first half was pretty close. I think it was like 20 to 10 after the first half, and then it was just a dominating second half from the Cowboys. The pick six was a cherry on top of that. Uh, but the Cowboys just look really, really good. Uh, I've been silenced by Dak in this Cowboys offense after a week, what was it, four or five, when they were still playing like shit on offense. Now they've been great. Have they played against a bunch of shit teams and just stat padded against a bunch of shit teams? Yes, but at the end of the day, you play who you play.
0: Yeah, like you said, Dak Prescott has been phenomenal. Borderline MVP favorite, in my opinion. This Cowboys offense with Cooper Rush, uh, I assume, would be their backup quarterback, even though they have Trey Lance. They they would not be operating at this level, regardless of their opponent, without Dak. CeeDee Lamb, he's been phenomenal as well. But honestly, Dak has been more impressive to me because he he did make that guarantee in the offseason that he would not throw 13 interceptions. And he it looks like he's not going to. He's being smart with the football. He's making good checks at the line of scrimmage. He's been phenomenal. I don't have too much else to say, but I will say uh, just a little season outlook and next year outlook for the Cowboys. They're now able to just let Stephon Gilmore walk and just replace him with Deron Bland, and they just have Bland and Trayvon Diggs and use that cap space somewhere else. They aren't the healthiest right now, especially with losing Diggs. Lost Leighton Van Der Esch a couple weeks ago. Maybe they go out and get uh, Darius Leonard or Shaq Leonard and fill that void but i think they have that luxury to let Gilmore walk instead of paying them a big contract and they're looking really good for the future
2: yeah the cowboys are just dominant at ATT stadium right now their future looks good um jerry world is a matchup that if you're a team under 500 at this point you got to just go in and expect to lose by 20 points at this point they've won every game at home by 20 points they have 13 straight home wins And in his last five games, Dak Prescott has a seventeen to two touchdown interception ratio, sixteen hundred passing yards. He's completing about seventy percent of his passes. He's been very good this year. Um, This offense—it's kind of exceeded my expectations since they were when they were struggling. Um, Tony Powell has been all right, but Ceedee Lamb's been great. Uh, And for the Commanders, they fired defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio, and um, Ron Rivera will be taking over the defensive duties. It kind of seems like he's going to be relieved of his duties in the offseason, too. It's a disappointing season, but if you're a Commanders fan, you really just want to continue to see flashes from Sam Howell that proves that he can be your franchise quarterback, possibly. They're going to have a lot of money in the offseason, a lot of draft capital. It's going to probably be a a job where a head coach would want to go, considering the new ownership. Um, But they're going to have to look forward to the offseason. It's going to be a busy one in Washington. But nice win for the Cowboys, good win on Thanksgiving. They were... In the salvation army bucket a lot on Thursday. I assume it would be enemy if they fired. I would him. assume too.
0: It just makes too much I, sense for it to be not enemy.
1: It would make it would be just disrespectful to the enemy if they just this whole time the thing is he just can't get the head coaching job. He gets an OC job elsewhere, takes a worse job than he had, and then doesn't get the head coach bump when his head coach gets fired. But Moving
2: and where on would he here. go
0: if he gets fired?
2: Ron Rivera. No, the
0: enemy. Oh, oh the I don't enemy think the enemy, the enemy will not get fired. I he's mean, done if all Ron this
2: and relieved of his duties. If if they don't get him, who would go for? Him? Would he go back to Kansas City? Possibly.
0: I feel like he'd go for a head coaching gig somewhere. He turned Sam Howell into a top three passing yards leader. Granted, they haven't had their bye week yet, but he's been vastly improved from what he was last year. I, I would easily give him a. I, I would I would easily give him a head coaching gig if I have a young quarterback. Given what he's done with Mahomes and what the Chiefs are doing this year without enemy and how inconsistent they've been, it kind of just shows that enemy is a very important piece to any offense with a young quarterback with talent. Maybe Chicago. I would not be against that. <laughs> yeah, I really hopefully not.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> or then the defense goes to shit. I feel like that's how it usually works for the Bears. But – um <laughs> Here we go. Moving on here. 49ers at Seahawks. Uh, Geno Smith was banged up and it really showed in this game. We really didn't have a, a good Thanksgiving game at all for the most part. The Lions game ended up being like I guess kind of good late but the Packers got up like 21 what was it? 21-6, 21-3 or something. I forgot exactly what it was but they were up by a lot early. Regardless, uh, the Niners are fully back. They're back on track buzzing on both ends of the football even with they got that beat up secondary that also found the last week. But they're still out here playing great. They beat a Seahawks team that, although they're banged up, they went into Seattle, always a tough place to play, on Thanksgiving Thursday night football, and they beat the shit out of the Seahawks. Purdy was not super fantastic, but he didn't need to be because he has Christian McCaffrey who can just run the ball wherever he needs to, and when he needs to throw short passes to Debo and medium to long passes to Ayuk, and he's got one of the best O line, one of the best O line men one of the best blocking and catching tight ends in Kittle. He's in in the perfect situation, the best head coach probably in the league. He's in a perfect situation. Even when he doesn't play well, most of the time the team will play well. Uh, And at this point, I've come to the conclusion, we've seen this healthy Niners team. They have not lost the game healthy, unless you include the Browns game, which is – that was their first loss. That's when everybody got hurt. Then they didn't have Debo for a, a little bit. They didn't have Trent Williams for a little bit. That's where they lost their games. When they're healthy, I don't think they've lost yet. So I think a healthy Niners team is the best team in the NFL. If they could stay healthy, I think they could just steamroll. And then I think they would have maybe, maybe a problem with the Eagles, but I'm more sure about the Niners than the Eagles right now. And then although the a- AFC is pretty deep, I like the Niners over every AFC team, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I honestly have to agree with you there. I had a couple intense conversations with family members around the Thanksgiving table on Thursday about the 49ers and saying that I think I would take them to be my Super Bowl pick if I had to choose right now, because at every team's best, they, they're they just the best. They haven't had a game where they look just significantly worse than everybody else. You did mention that Cleveland game, but they did lose a bunch of players in that game. And they their defense still kept them in it, and Purdy put them in a position to win that game. And then they destroyed the Cowboys, give a team like the Ravens who have looked bad at times, a team like the Lions who have looked bad at times. Eagles even looked really poor against, really poor against, uh, I believe it was the Jets where Hurts threw like four interceptions. Every single team aside from the 49ers has had like one of those games where it kind of puts doubt into your mind. So like you said, if the Niners can stay healthy, yeah, I think they go all the way. But on the Seahawks, Gino, he definitely was feeling that injury. Uh, they were definitely missing K-9 as well. Zach Charbonnet uh, was expecting a pretty heavy workload, and if they didn't go down as much as they did early, I'm sure he would have gotten a lot more than just 14 carries. Uh, JSN was the Seahawks' leading receiver, and I was very impressed by him. I feel like he ran a few really, really, really good routes. He had that phenomenal one-handed catch. On the anniversary of Odell Beckham Jr.'s catch against the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football, I believe it is the nine year. it was the nine-year anniversary on Thursday, but – In order to beat a team like the 49ers at home, you've got to just trust your defense, which against that offense is really hard to do, and you've got to get the ball to your playmakers. Only eight total receptions between JSN, DK, and Tyler Lockett will not get that done, and I think it showed.
2: Yeah, CMC had a feast on Thanksgiving, two touchdowns. 49ers are rolling. They have a two-game lead in the division now. Uh, CMC had 114 yards and two touchdowns in just the first half alone. I mean, you guys said it, when this 49ers offense is healthy, when this team is healthy, they are very, very good. And I agree. I think they're the best team in the NFL. Um, Purdy, he made a bad mistake, uh, gave up that pick six, but he didn't let it get to his head. He played well, finished the game strong, had the touchdown to IU. And he had a quiet day, but like Josh said, the running game was very good. Um, And for the Seahawks, they really just couldn't get much going. Geno Smith was under a lot of pressure. He was sacked six times through an interception. Uh, in the first half, they had a five-possession stretch of only 15 yards total. They were just tiring their defense out with the 49ers run game. And this offense has just been struggling recently. they got to figure it out. Only three offensive touchdowns in their past four games, one in their last eight quarters. Um, they're they're, mis- they're missing K-9 this week, but they need to keep that run game. They need to get it going. They need to get it balled. They have th- maybe one of the best receiving runs in the NFL. They need to get that going and just figure it out. But the 49ers are just a tank.
1: All right, moving on here to Dolphins at Jets. Uh, Dolphins just dominated this game. It seems, we talked about it uh, earlier, it kind of just seemed pointless to bench Zach Wilson for Tim Boyle. If you're not going to make a massive upgrade, um, a la Bill Belichick, if you're not going to make a massive upgrade, there's no reason to mess with the confidence of your quarterback for virtually no reason. Uh, So that move made zero sense to me by, by Robert Salah, but And I don't even know really how I feel about Roberts a lot because it's like, yeah, he did. He's not in a great situation talent wise, uh, but he also hasn't won many games as a head coach. He seems like he's a good guy. uh, So I don't know what they're really thinking there. Maybe they'll probably wait it out. I'm guessing for the Rodgers to come back. And then if they suck with Rodgers next year, then I'm pretty sure he'll probably be gone after that. But for now, uh, I just strongly disagree with that decision. But uh, the pick six going into halftime was pretty embarrassing. You can't have that happen. It was 10-6 before that. Uh, and that would have they were in the game. They were 100 percent in the game. They just kicked a field goal to make it a four-point game. And as they do, so their game scripts, they knew they had to get at least two more field goals in order to catch up to the uh Dolphins. And they go and they throw a Hail Mary pick six, ten and a half. And that basically ended the game. Momentum completely flipped at that point, And the Jets struggled to get anything going on after that. Uh the Dolphins have been taking care of business of late. Uh they had a section where people were starting to doubt him a little bit. They have one bad half versus Kansas City. Uh, they were heavily doubted then. They played great in the second half of that game, and they played great ever since. If they just don't suck completely, if Tyreek Hill doesn't just get the ball ripped from him at the end of the first half in that Germany game, the Dolphins are sitting at 9 and 2 and one of the best teams in the league. And
0: I think they're a scary 8 and 3. Yeah, the Dolphins are, I believe, tied for first in the AFC right now, pending the results of this Ravens-Chargers game that's going on right now. But I think Tim Boyle is the closest thing we're going to get to just your average Joe just playing in a professional league. He just did not look good at all. It was honestly funny. Uh, it also didn't help that he had like virtually no run game, but it doesn't help that his O-line is just tragically just terrible. Part of that is injuries that they've suffered early in the season, and part of that is just lack of preparation by the GM outside of the Aaron Rodgers trade. But Garrett Wilson did find the end zone for the first time since week three against ironically the Dallas Cowboys, who is one of the best defenses in the league. And I did see a healthy dose of Quinn and Williams in both the run game and the pass game on defense. So if they have nothing to look forward to the rest of the year on the offensive side, at least on defense, they can look forward to Quinn and Williams just wreaking havoc and just being a fun player to watch. I always love a good defensive tackle who can do a lot of work in the run and pass game. But back to the Dolphins, like you said, Josh, uh, Tyreek and Waddle were both really good. They combined for over 200 yards total, eight catches for Waddle, nine for Tyreek Hill. Uh, the run game was working really well. Jeff, They had no HM today, or on Friday, so they went with a heavy dose of Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. In his absence, Raheem Mostert found the end zone twice, one of which was I thought he was about to go down and just uh, milk some clock, but ended up not happening. Mike White got an appearance and got one carry for negative three yards. So that's fun to see. But outside of that, I don't have anything else to say.
2: Yeah. Um, I said on the preview, Josh, you just said it. I don't understand why really the media was so keen on benching Zach Wilson for whatever reason. Zach Wilson might not be good, but I promise you he's better than Tim Boyle. Tim Boyle is just terrible. I think in college, what were his stats? He had like one touchdown and 12 interceptions or something ridiculous. I don't even know how he found his way onto an NFL roster, really. I think he started with the Lions, but it's just ridiculous that they put him out there. Um, uh, I think they have like a 1% chance at the playoffs now at this point with the AFC kind of having so many teams in the hunt. Uh, Rodgers, I think, said he wants to practice. I don't know if it was this week or next week, and he's targeting like December 24th to return. I just don't understand that at all at this point. The Jets' season is basically over. He's coming back to nothing. He's really just going to come back to try to prove a point, and I I just don't think that's worth it at all. Um, He just wants to prove the media wrong instead of keeping his body healthy for next year. So that's just interesting, and we say it every week. Uh, Poor Garrett Wilson. Um, He's just such a talented receiver, great player, and he just really has been in a tough spot. Um, And for the Dolphins, they've just been hot recently. They've been playing bad teams, and they've been smoking them. Hill and Waddle had a great game. Like you said, Mostert had a great game. Tua had a great game, even getting a chunk of him cut out of his body. But good win for the Dolphins. They did what they had to do. Just wish the Black Friday game could have been better. That would have been cool. But good win for the Dolphins.
1: Yeah, been pretty uh, tough on all the specialty games this week, that three Thanksgiving and Black Friday. But regardless, moving on here to Sunday, Saints at Falcons. Um uh, said it earlier this week. This is a must win game for the Falcons. They went in there and they got it done at home against a division rival. Puts them at first in the NFC South and three and oh, in their division games. Which, when it comes to tiebreakers in this really close division, them starting three and zero in the division is going to end up being huge for them. Uh, Jesse Bates, one of my favorite offseason pickups from any team in the NFL, uh, he has a pick six today, and that really jump started this team for uh, this game for the Falcons. The Saints offense continues to just be mid. Uh you never know if you're gonna see maybe they have a solid game like they did against the Bears, or they're gonna have a dog shit game against a defense that has been pretty banged up and is just trying to get healthy in the Falcons. Uh Bijan was finally the lead back today. Uh, which he we've been seeing that the past a uh, couple of weeks. So it seems like he's for sure gonna be the lead back going forward. Don't know why he never was, but it seems like when he touches the ball a lot, the Falcons win games. When it's more Algier. They don't win games, so no disrespect out to Algier, but you got a formula for winning, you have to take it. And what a win for the Falcons! Very, very
0: good win, yeah. You said it best. Uh, the Falcons they score points and mainly just move the ball better in general when they're good players touch the ball. Bijan had 16 carries for over 90 yards and a score, and then caught another three passes for 30 yards and a second score. So he found the end zone two times in a game for the first time of his young career, probably for the first time of many based on what we've seen from him. Drake London also had five catches for 91 yards and unfortunately did not find the end zone, but he didn't need to. Falcons defense did their job. Unfortunately for the Saints, their leading receiver, Chris Olave, I believe left the game in the second or third quarter with a concussion and did not return. And he was phenomenal. Seven catches for 111 yards, 114 yards, excuse me. And unfortunately, not find the end zone. I'm sure he would have if he would have played the rest of the game. But Alvin Kamara, 15 carries for 69 yards. He was great. He didn't have his usual receiving load, especially after Chris Olave left. Taysom Hill did have two catches for 55 yards and seven carries for 26 yards, but did have that costly fumble. I believe it was damn near in the red zone as well, which really set the Saints back and probably cost him the game and a lot of momentum as well. Derek Carr just feels like a lot of empty stats with those 304 yards. He did turn the ball over with an interception, but Derek Carr continues to be very uninspiring for the Saints offense. I feel like they'd just be so much more fun to watch with Jameis. We've talked about it a bunch, whether it is three touchdowns, three interceptions or just 400 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Jameis is such a fun watch on and off the field, especially like on the sideline and his mannerisms. I feel like you just have to kind of lean that way. If Derrick Carr's doesn't show anything soon.
2: Yeah, I think, Big Cat said it best. If you're going to have a quarterback out there throwing pick sixes, you might as well put Jameis Winston out there because it'll be electric. Um, the Saints offense was looking good really up until the Chris Olave concussion and that pick six to Jesse Bates. Sadly for them, Rashid Shah- Rashid Shaheed also got injured. He was out for of the game, thigh injury. So tough to lose two of your top receivers. Um, their offense was three. looking all Michael right. Michael Thomas the is already out. On a yeah, Michael Thomas yeah, he's is already out. So it's hard to win with your top three receivers out. But the Falcons, they got it done. Credit to Arthur Smith. He got the ball to John Robinson like he should be. 16 carries, 91 yards, three catches, receiving and rushing touchdown. That's what we want to see from a top 10 draft pick when you use that much draft capital on him. Drake Lennon had a great game, five catches for 91 yards, made a couple big plays. Not much Kyle, pitch, but not Kyle Pitts, but there wasn't much completions to spread around. And Ritter just kind of did his job, what he does in home games. Two picks, he's going to have those because he's not a great quarterback, but they win the game, and they're in the first place in the NFC South now, right where they want to be.
1: Yeah, I'm just going to bring this up real quick because I forgot to earlier. Uh, in that Lions loss, they also played a Packers team that was down a lot of their best players. Like, a lot of their play. They had the best linebacker out, best corner out. It's, it's tough to lose a game like that. I only bring quite that up. Backtracking a bit here. <laughs> I, I, I only – wait, what?
0: Backtracking quite a bit here. What do you mean? We covered the Lions and Packers quite a bit ago.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I thought you meant backtracking like I had a take and I'm taking it back. No, I no, got no, no, you. No, 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 no. Uh,
0: but the reason I
1: bring this up is because the Lions play the Saints next week. And in the event that the Saints have none of their receivers and they still, the Lions secondary still manages to get torn
2: up, that is going to be a serious, serious concern. Uh, but hopefully that doesn't happen. <laughs> You guys think it was also a waxing and for the Lions game. Haven't won a Thanksgiving game with the I think it was a waxing and So yeah. The, the, yeah, yeah. We didn't we didn't see that one coming. I didn't I wasn't ready for that.
1: Yeah, the waxing and definitely took us by surprise. Uh we should we should <laughs> have checked the
0: lunar cycle when making our predictions. Yeah, we definitely That's on that was
1: on us. Yeah. <laughs> gotta gotta own your losses on that one. But um moving on here. Uh if I think of any more thoughts, I will I will bring them up. Um Steelers at Bengals. <laughs> Uh, Steelers gained 400 yards for the first time since 2020. That's the second longest streak of all time Uh, for not having 400 yards. Conveniently, the first game without Matt Canada. Uh, I don't – it definitely played a factor not having Matt Canada, but I. It, there is some coincidence to the fact that they just ha- – this happened to be the one where they get 400. Um, the Bengals' downfall is just imminent. They have no – uh, offense now with not having uh, Joe Burrow in. They played a great defense today, of course, but just another situation where a wide receiver like Jamar Chase and guys like T. Higgins are just going to get screwed from this uh situation. Pat Friermuth is back. He's been back for, I think, a week or two now. I'm not positive, but he is back. He dominated today. He was great. Kenny Pickett was looking for him at any time when he needed him. And we saw this Steelers offense, I will say, with Nomad Canada does have some differences in it. It wasn't completely different because it only had what five, six days to get it figured out. You can't really make a whole new scheme in five, six days, but you see you saw it off rip. I mean, the first play from the scrimmage, he uh Kenny Pickett threw like threw the ball, like I think 20 yards in the air, 25 yards in the air. That's not what you see from the Steelers on a first play ever. It's almost always that halfback dive, Najee Harris, one or two yards up the middle every single time. That's always their first play. You didn't see that this week. It's good to see the Steelers' offense look a little bit more alive, and now they're sitting at 7-4. and
0: Yeah, Steelers are somehow just in this AFC North race and the AFC wildcard race. Coming into the season, if you would have told me they were going to be the second-best team in the division come end of November, beginning of December, I would have told you you were crazy and that someone must have died on the Bengals and the Browns. And honestly, someone kind of did because the Bengals lost uh, T Higgins for the last few games and Joe Burrow for the season. And the uh, what's it called? Cleveland lost to Sean Watson in a season where he really had to perform or else that trade and contract were going to look absolutely horrendous. The Steelers had a really nice mix of run and pass. Like you mentioned, Josh, they had a couple big chunk gains early, especially to, to Pat Fryermuth. They got George Pickens worked in very sparingly, but. I like the way that he was, the way he was utilized, but on the Bengals side, I mentioned it before uh, the game happened on the preview that I wasn't expecting too much out of them. If maybe it was uh, two or three games after the burrow injury and Jamar chase and company had a chance to adjust to the new quarterback. And maybe like you said, Josh, a new oh. scheme, maybe, or just getting time in and reps, but they, they really had nothing to show for it. There were a lot of missed opportunities down the field, especially to, to Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd. I I really feel for Jamar Chase. He's really in a Garrett Wilson-esque situation now. And I, I can't really throw too much blame on Joe Mixon. He was automatically thrown as like the focal point of this offense after Burrow went down. And against a defense like the Pittsburgh Steelers and all the talent they have on the defensive side of the ball, there's not much you can do, especially when you're obviously the guy you're, you're going to be keyed in on. So Bengals, you just got to throw away the tape of honestly the rest of the year because you're not going to make it very far without your superstar quarterback. And congrats to the Steelers. They might actually have something on offense without Canada.
2: Yeah, Bengals kind of just got to put all their focus for the scouting and team building for the next season with Burrow out. I just really don't see much this team can do without him. Jake Browning is obviously just not Joe Burrow, and You're already on the outskirts of the playoffs. There's really no chance. The Steelers' defense was great again today. Um, Their offense, like you guys said, finally cracked 400 yards. They finally were able to outgain their opponent first time this season. Their run game was very good. They ran the ball well, 156 yards on the ground. And the Steelers had six plays of 20-plus yards, which we have not seen from this offense. So there was definitely a difference in play calling. I'd also say Kenny Pickett played a pretty good game. Um, They had an even amount of rushing and passing attempts at 33, which is good to see. But um, the one main negative I saw from this game from the Steelers, the main negative was the Deontay Johnson effort, especially on the fumble. Um, I mean, they fumbled the ball, and Deontay Johnson really didn't go to block at all in the play, just stood there and then just let the Bengals recover the fumble. Just an embarrassing effort. And I'm a guy who was pretty high on Deontay Johnson. I really like him as a football player, but that's just an embarrassing effort. You cannot do that on the football field. You're getting paid millions of dollars. You have hundreds of Thousands of people watching you wanting you to win, and you give that effort, that's just embarrassing. You just can't have that at all.
1: Yeah, but I agree. That was a, that was a tough scene, but
0: that was hilarious. Uh, it,
1: yeah, it, it was as a Steelers fan. I would be, I would be limited at that. Point. Oh, 100%. But
0: from the outside point of view, I, I could not stop laughing.
1: A guy that hasn't been great either. So, I mean, you can, you can maybe pull that off if you're Cam Newton and you. Just won an MVP, but yeah. I don't know about Deontay Dropson. But anyways, we can move on here. Next game here, Panthers at Titans. Bryce Young, another game where he just didn't play well, even against a bad defense like the Titans. Uh, we saw them get torched by the Jags last week. Bryce Young still could come in there and really get anything going. The Panthers are kind of an impossible situation now. You have a guy who just picked at number one you have a coach you just signed and now you don't have your draft pick for next year. And it, everything is going wrong. There's no situation where it makes, where you should know what to do. If you fired your coach, then you're given your uh, number one, overall pick co- quarterback, uh, multiple coaches in his first two seasons. You never want to do that. We talked about that a million times on here. If you keep him, you might just keep losing games and he might be the problem. So it's really, you don't know what to do if you're a Panthers fan here. Um, but, yeah, you know you're fucked. Levis, he gets a win, and he's now kind of just playing with house money. He's in the perfect situation, I feel like, right now of all the quarterbacks just because Stroud is now having to play for a playoff spot. He has to go out there and play winning football. He's not trying to – there's no more room for him to be, like, learning. Like, we're, we want to see baby steps from him. Now they're going to make the playoffs. He He's going to have a chance to go win a playoff game, and his standard is now so, so high. You got Bryce Young. He's playing like shit. His team has only won one game, uh, and he's in a horrible situation. Uh, You see Anthony Richardson obviously is hurt now for the whole year. And here you just have Will Levis. For some reason, he was unjustly not the starting quarterback from the beginning. He comes in when his other two quarter – or when Ryan Tannehill gets hurt – he beats out Malik Willis, and now he's playing where he's not going to make the playoffs, but he's done enough to earn the job now and prove his head coach wrong, and now he's just kind of playing with house money. So uh, I think he's in a really, really good spot as far as that team situation-wise, definitely not. But as far as expectations, 100% he is, and I think he's been the second-best rookie quarterback because of the Richardson injury.
0: Yeah, I you definitely have a case for that. It's just very hard to tell, especially with that uh, Richardson injury. I think they have roughly the same amount of starts or really just appearances or snap total maybe, but I'm not entirely sure. But <laughs> but um, you – sorry. Levis definitely outplayed Bryce Young in this game, but his surroundings really helped. Uh He had the run game that Bryce Young did not. Uh, Derrick Henry finished the game with 76 yards on 18 carries and two touchdowns, and that's what the Titans do. If they get an early lead on you, they're able to lean on Derrick Henry in early down situations and even short – yardage uh, third or fourth down situations and just let him take you to victory. We didn't see a lot of Tajay Spears in this game outside of special teams uh, because Derrick Henry was such a big factor in the game script because they were winning the entire time. Like you said, Josh, Bryce Young, just very uninspiring the entire year. Sure, he's had moments where he can hit the top of his drop and make great throws on anticipation throws. but And he's also had times where he stood in the face of pressure given how short he is and he's delivered beautiful tosses. But at the same time, that height's going to hinder him. He can't see over the line and with very little to work with in terms of a running game. And as pass catchers, even Adam Thielen, he only had one catch today. He wasn't really a factor at all. And his coaching has been abysmal. But, again, injuries have been uh, affecting this defense for a while, and the coaching staff just isn't what it could be. So, like you said, Josh, they're in a rough spot in terms of just – Their outlook as a franchise because they have no first-round pick next year. Hello, Chicago Bears. You're welcome. Um, And they have no run game after you go out and get Miles Sanders uh, in free agency. And your receivers outside of Adam Thielen, excluding today, have been bottom of the barrel.
2: Yep. Uh, Panthers fans are extremely fed up with their owner, David Tepper. Um, Very mad. Uh, he seems to be very mad at Frank Reich. It seems like this could be the last week of Frank Reich. Um, I hope they give him the rest of the season. He sh- deserves the rest of the season. I mean, it's a rookie quarterback. It's a, it's a weird situation. Um, Tough game overall, but the Titans, they got the positive game script, like we talk about. They were able to get Derrick Henry involved, uh, 76 yards and two touchdowns. He became the eighth running back in NFL history to eclipse at least 9,000 yards and at least 80 touchdowns before turning 30. He is now 17th all-time in rushing touchdowns with 84. He needs one more to tie more Sean Lynch. Um, this was only the Titans' fourth home game this season, and they are now 4-0 in home games. Next week, a big game with them. Colts are coming to going to Tennessee, so that's going to be a big game for the Colts' playoff chances. But the Titans, they've been playing great at home. Mulev has played solid. No turnovers. Uh, their defense was able to get four-sack on Panthers' offense that has been struggling. And for the Panthers... Just uh, you really want to see some sort of development from Frank Reich or from Bryce Young, and you haven't been seeing it. Is it Frank Reich or not? I don't know, but he's got to f- start playing better soon. We've seen quarterbacks in bad situations still show a lot of promise, but just haven't seen it. You hope to find it, but just a nice one for the Titans. Both teams kind of know their outlook for the season, so is what it is. Yeah,
1: Frank Wright getting fired mid-season, back-to-back years would just be a bad, bad look. Um, I didn't even think about that, but that would be tough.
0: I think I it's can't... just essential at, at this point. Just give Bryce Young a fresh start next year. Hopefully you go out and get one of the big-name receivers just to give him some help. I feel like you Got have to. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's it's a tough spot to be in. It's a tough, tough decisions to make, and Tepper is just – He's put He's him in that position. Good. Yeah, he has. But regardless, we'll move on here. Speaking of the Colts, uh, Bucks at Colts. The Colts get the win in a close game. Um, And you, like we said uh, earlier this week, the Colts have been pretty solid at home. They've been in a lot of close games. They're pretty comfortable in that spot. You have a reliable kicker in Matt Gay, so you feel pretty good at any time you're in a close game here. Uh, Jonathan Taylor had a couple touchdowns. He was really big for them. And the Colts just kind of got they tied the game 3-3 early and then they kind of just got up and never gave the lead back. Um they uh Tampa Bay was chopping away at some points, but really didn't have anything too productive. Baker was not phenomenal on the day. Rashad White, he's been really, really, really good for the Bucs the past like five, six weeks. We talked earlier in the season how they just couldn't run the ball at all. It was a problem for Baker. And now all of a sudden, Rashad White has just been phenomenal for them. And it's been Baker in the passing game that hasn't been great. Minshew was pretty good today. He didn't have a touchdown. He did throw a pick, but he had a decent amount of yards. Um, Got sacked a couple times. Jonathan Taylor, they established the run early. That's how you win football games in this league, especially when you have a backup quarterback in. That's what they did, and the Colts go, and they move above five hundred.
0: This was one of the few games that I saw this week through and through. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on this one, so I'll try and keep it concise so Mike can handle the majority of the Colts talk. Like you said, Josh, Rashad White, he was phenomenal today. He didn't have the massive receiving workload that he had in weeks past, but he was very effective on the ground, especially against a Colts front that can stop the run at times with guys like uh, uh, Pay, Samson Ebukam, and DeForest Buckner up there. Uh, uh, Baker Mayfield, he had a couple questionable throws, but for the most part, he was able to find his guys on target and on time. Uh, there were a couple of plays that were left out there where he just missed by a hair, but outside of that, I think he played fine. Mike Evans, if the Bucs can't find a way to keep him and maybe get their next quarterback, the duo of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, I don't know what they're going to do because Evans has been so consistent for so long. I believe they said on the broadcast, broadcast that today was his 19th career game with two or more touchdowns. So he has been absolutely phenomenal. He had six catches for 70 yards and those two scores today. One of one of his catches probably could have been a touchdown, depending on how ticky-tacky you want to get with the spot of the ball. But he had a phenomenal catch. It was a – the throw kind of fluttered up there, but Mike Evans went up and got it, came down with it on the one. And then I believe a couple of plays later, that's the play that Baker got hurt on. But outside of that, the Buccaneers, they looked okay. But the Colts, they looked really good. Like you said, Josh, Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor was nice. I'm just confused as to why they kept getting Zach Moss the ball. Like I feel like they kept taking out Jonathan Taylor way too early. Like I was sitting with my girlfriend's dad and he was like, yeah, Jonathan Taylor was probably just tired, but he, he had like one six yard rush the next play he was pass blocking. And then he came out for Zach Moss and it was a fresh set of downs. How could he be tired? I get if you're Mike Evans where you're taking every play off because you're just old as fuck, but you're Jonathan Taylor, you're 24, 25 years old. Like it's gotta be just poor scheming or poor like rotations. Jonathan Taylor had it going all day and maybe it's just me wanting more fantasy points for my team, but I feel like you got to go to the Jonathan Taylor a lot more than what you did.
2: I personally, I kind of liked what they did in terms of running the ball. Maybe not in terms of snap percentage, but I kind of like the carry amount, 15 for Taylor, 8 for Zach Moss. It's kind of what I'd like maybe a couple more for JT, but overall I kind of like that split. Jonathan Taylor got majority of the important carries, the red zone carries, third down carries. He had 91 yards and two touchdowns. He played great. He's really starting to find his stride. Zach Moss eight carries, seventy total yards. He had a couple nice receptions. Um, I just love what Shane Steichen does with this offense. Uh, big fourth down in the game. You're on your side of the fifty. You go for it. You bring in Zaire Franklin to play line or to play fullback. You get everyone to think you're running up the middle. You pull it down and find Willie Cox for a 25 yard gain. It's just nice to see a fresh offense out there that isn't just the same crosser out, crosser out, crosser out, screen. Um, it's just nice to see. I we talked a lot about how we think D'Amico Ryan's is a coach of the year candidate as a rookie, and he's been great. I think Shane Sykin has been just as good, if not better. Uh, he's with his backup quarterback now. They're both both coaches are six and five, um, and this offense is just considering what happened to them early with Anthony Richardson. They've been missing Ryan Kelly for a lot of these games. It's been great, and they just keep finding ways to win football games. Um, Darius Leonard was in attendance. Jack Leonard. Uh, he had a cool tribute video. He was at the game. Um, it was nice to see all the fans in support of him. It's nice to see him still supporting the team. It's a rough situation, especially for him. But it was it was just something cool to see. And the guy who made the roster as his replacement, Ronnie Harrison, ended up coming down with an interception. And then Darius Leonard tweeted out how happy he was for him. So that's just really cool to see. And it's just a token to how good of a person Darius Leonard is. Um, for the Bucs, they struggled to blocked the Colts pass rush. Ebucom had a day at the game-clinching sack on Baker Mayfield, who was all right missed a couple throws, but Justin Wirth was getting cooked most of the game by Ebucom. so he was under pressure a lot. Evans and Godwin, um, I was expecting them to have a bigger day considering how poor the Colts secondary has been at moments, but Jalen Jones stepped up. Daryl Baker stepped up in spots. Um, just really proud of this Colts team. They're a game above 500. they They're in the playoffs right now, just She's really happy and I'm just I love what I'm seeing from Shane Steichen now. Yep.
1: All right, moving on here. Pats and Giants. Giants with this game 10-7. An ugly game. Really, really ugly game. I've I alluded to it earlier. Uh when I when we were talking about I don't even remember, remember what game we were talking about. I alluded to it earlier. Uh Bill Belichick at halftime decides to run with Bailey Zappi instead of Mac Jones. Uh, a decision that he's now done, I believe, four times. First two times were blowouts. The third time was in Germany uh, for a comeback game or for comeback drive he put them in. This time was at halftime. Neither quarterback eclipses 90 yards this game passing. They have a total of 136 passing yards, zero touchdowns and three interceptions, and a com- combined QBR of 27.8. Uh, I So I don't know what the uh, – what would two three, it'd be like two like three something 317 I don't know something like that I that think, would be the max I think that would be the
2: max right 317 or something like that yeah I think if you spike the ball into the ground 13 consecutive plays I think your QBR is like 36 so <laughs> and they both
1: managed to combine to be under that that's tough uh remandre Stevenson he was okay uh Zeke has also been slightly okay just been Really quiet though, because in this horrible, horrible situation, uh, Tommy DeVito played better than both Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi in this game. He didn't play phenomenal, uh, but he did enough to uh, get his team to a 10 7 victory over the New England Patriots. And the pass now moved to two and nine uh, on the season. Tough spot for them. They're gonna have a top three pick probably and hopefully get one of the top QBs.
0: I don't have too much to say about this game. Uh, I kind of want to save a majority of my thoughts for our little bonus segment at the end of the episode. But Patriots and Giants, the three quarterbacks that played in this game, none of none deserve to be in the NFL. It was absolutely atrocious. Ramondre Stevenson was the only bright spot in the Patriots' offense. Saquon, he just didn't get the touches, but he was also a bright spot in the Giants' offense. So that's all I got for now.
2: Yeah, the only thing I have for the Giants really is uh, that it's just for Tommy DeVito in the quarterback position. Um, it's just nice to see his family just doing the tailgates and everything. Just kind of a funny, fun story. Um, two terrible football teams playing each other. Mac Jones, abysmal, terrible. 12 for 21, 89 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. Should have had more than two interceptions. Could have been four. Um, Zappy wasn't better. Neither QB gives the Patriots a good chance to win football games. Ramon J. Stevenson dominated the carries, but the Patriots' offense is just terrible. Saquon Barkley was pretty quiet. DeVito did enough to win the game. But it was really nice to see a nice game from Jalen Hyatt. Five catches, 109 yards. We've been wanting the Giants to get him the ball. They used a high draft pick on him. It's just it's important to get the rookies the ball early. Um, just a rough game, rough quarterbacks, just ugly, but kind of like a – I'm not even going to say Iowa because both defenses aren't great, but good win for the Giants. I mean, it hurts your chance at a top quarterback even more. Patriots are looking for a top quarterback and possibly a new coaching staff, so just an ugly game. And now they have that tiebreaker with the Giants if they need it uh, for draft mm-hmm. picks.
1: Uh, but moving on here to one of the best games of the week, Jags and Texans. The Jags win by three in this game, a game-winning field goal going off the crossbar for a single doink uh, to lose this game. And that was a uh, very brutal for them. Trevor Lawrence, Stacking great weeks now. He played really, really well uh, last week, and this week he has 300 passing yards, one touchdown, one pick. He was solid. Uh, The run game really was not there for Jacksonville, which is a concerning thing uh, when it comes to how this offense has been playing this year, but they battled back. Uh, Calvin Ridley, two games in a row now, has been good. Uh, It's finally great to see a bench him in fantasy both of those weeks, and I know the first time I start him, he's going to go zero touchdowns, one target, or sorry, zero yards, one target, zero catches, guaranteed. But regardless, five catches for 89 yards and a touchdown, he was great today. Uh, this game was really – it was led by Jacksonville early. The Texans just kept battling back, and every time they battled back, uh, Trevor Lawrence and, these, and this Jackson team responded. And that's really what it came down to. C.J. Stroud was still pretty good. His usual 300 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, uh, he's still been phenomenal. He picked Nico Collins this week. He always has a receiver. I feel like who he picks, and he's like, "All right, you're going off this week." This week it was Nico Collins. Last week it was Tank Dell. I think the week before it was uh, what's his name, the third guy from the Cowboys? No, uh, Dalton Schultz. No, Brown. No, Brown. No, No, (laughs) Brown. Yeah, that he was him a couple weeks ago. Regardless, uh, they play pretty well. two really good teams, two playoff teams, probably in the AFC. And uh, Jacksonville, what a win on the road after losing to the Texans in Jacksonville early in the season.
0: Yeah, the Texans have been a tough test for a lot of teams, and especially this Jags team with them going in on the road uh, to a place where it's been kind of hostile this year because they've been unexpectedly really good. This was a chance for the Texans to beat their, uh, their, I believe, their projected win total of six and a half, but they still have the rest of the season to do that. I have no doubt in my mind that they will beat that. But this AFC South does get very interesting because the Colts and the Texans are both, I believe, at 6-5, and five and the Jags kind of pull ahead by two games. But that second place is going to be real interesting because the Colts are doing this without their their rookie quarterback, who's been very promising, or who was very promising. But Minshew has definitely been no slouch. He's had a couple of rough quarters and games as a whole, but it's, it's definitely going to be something to monitor as we go forward. But Trevor Lawrence, I really like how they're using his legs in the red zone, especially when they get down to like goal-to-go situations he's got some sneaky wheels. He isn't a sit in the pocket and a statue quarterback. He's got some, he's not like Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson fast, but he's definitely way faster than like a Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow. He can, he can really get moving when he wants to. And at six, six, he's, he can cover a lot of ground really quickly. And he's got three rushing touchdowns over the last two games. I've been very impressed with that. Like you mentioned, Josh, Calvin Ridley, once again, a really good game, but it was actually a really good third quarter. I believe he had four of his five catches and 70 something of his 89 yards in that third quarter. Plus that touchdown, he had nothing in the first half. It was going to be one of those games where it was like, Oh great. It was another one of those signature Calvin Ridley games where he had nothing except for like one or two targets, but he pulled it around in the third quarter. He, him and Christian Kirk complimented each other very well. And on the Texan side, CJ Stroud once again, very good. Uh, unfortunately, he took a couple, what felt like unnecessary sacks in the, in that final drive. But props to Josh Allen, who is just a phenomenal edge rusher, who is probably going to get paid a very large amount this offseason because he's due for that big contract. C.J. Stroud, for me, is still up there in the MVP conversation, still at the top at the Rookie of the Year conversation. Uh, he actually found the ends on the ground as well today, like Trevor Lawrence. But like you said, Josh, Nico Collins went off. He was just that chosen receiver where he was like where C.J. Stroud said, yeah, you're just going to do whatever I want. Uh, Tank Dell had a couple nice catches as well. Uh, He had that 60-yard play taken back by penalty, which was unfortunate to see because Tank Dell has been one of my favorite non-Bears to watch this year. Uh, He's just been surprisingly very good. And him paired with CJ Stroud is going to be nightmares for the AFC South defenses for years to come.
2: Yeah, the AFC South, um, I I think there's an outcome where possibly three teams can make the playoffs. I think it'll only be two, but – just a lot of young quarterbacks now in that division, two that I'm completely sold on and two that played in this game. Will Levis and Anthony Richardson still have their question marks, but these two are gonna be fun to watch for a long time. I feel like uh, CJ Stroud passed Justin Herbert for the most passing yards by a rookie in his first eleven games. Um, three hundred four yards, three total touchdowns. I think he'll be battling with Justin Herbert's rookie season all year. Uh great game from Nico Collins and Take like you guys said. Um Sadly, Matt Amadola couldn't hit that kick over two on field goals on the day. Texans have been great late game and they continue that. CJ Stroud can put another game tying drive that should have forced overtime. Uh, but the Jags are they, they were just winning games. They're one of the four AFC teams sitting at eight and three. The leaders of each division, I'm pretty sure, are eight and three. They're six and oh away from home now. Two of those games were in London. Um, Trevor Lawrence, great game. Uh you talked about Calvin. I thought he was gonna put up a dud in that first half. I was pretty angry. And then the second half he comes out, five catches, eighty nine yards, and a touchdown. So what you want to see? We I think you said it, Zach. Every time Calvin Ridley's had a good game that they've won, and that trend continues. They have a two-game lead in the AFC South now. Uh just gotta keep going for them.
1: Yep. And we will move on here then to Browns and Broncos. Um, this is a game, Broncos. Still the hottest team in football. They go beat a team in the Browns who's just all defense, no offense at this point uh, with their quarterback situation. But DTR did play pretty well in the time that he was on the field for the first two and a half quarters or so. Uh, He was playing. He's getting a little bit more comfortable. This Broncos defense is up and down, and he did start to look comfortable today. And they were in this game for a long time. I believe it was 17-12 to when he got hurt in this game. Uh, And then they end up never scoring again, and 12-0 run for the rest of the game for the Broncos. Uh, After DTR left the game, I believe it was the next play, or or two plays later, uh, there was the fumble. Next drive, three plays, negative five yards, punt. Next drive, six plays, 35 yards, fumble. Next drive, six plays, 17 yards, turnover on downs. Next drive, three plays, negative five yards, safety. Uh, so they had nothing going with P.J. Walker, and I actually thought this season that P.J. Walker was the better of the two. Uh, it did not show this game. Obviously, you're just getting shoved into this game randomly. It doesn't help a quarterback ever. But regardless, um, DTR was way better today, and the Broncos are just cooking now. I mean, putting up 29 points on this uh, defense is very, very impressive, and I think you have to uh, say that Russell Wilson and Sean Payton have just figured it out. They're up to six and five now, and they're well in that playoff race. And at the end of the day, there are the scrappy teams like. Well, let me see what are
2: the what are all the
1: uh, what I are all the six picks. and five
2: teams right now? Six and five. Um, I know there's them a, Texans Colts are six and five. Uh, Bills six and six. Bills six and six. seven yeah, and four, I don't know the, Browns.
1: I I trust the Broncos more than I trust every team you named, except for maybe the Bills and maybe the Texans. Otherwise, I think I trust Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, a veteran quarterback, a veteran coach, uh, that they could win games down the stretch here and get in the playoffs. And At this point, if I had to put my money on it, I would say I think they make the
0: playoffs. That's, that, that's a bold take, but given how they've played as of late, I mean, ooh, I, I could honestly see it. It's definitely something interesting to keep track of, but the Broncos, it's been a lot of Sean Payton and Russell Wilson just doing just enough to beat the, the teams that they are better than. On the Brown side, like you said, Josh, uh, DTR, they he was solid until he got hurt. The Browns offense was pretty, was moving pretty well. I feel like they could have gotten Jerome Ford more involved, especially early in the game. I believe he went the first two drives with only like one uh, carry and one reception, and that reception was still for zero yards. But PJ Walker came in and the offense really just stalled, both the run and the pass game just kind of Cease to exist. Amari Cooper was only two catches. Unfortunately, he just he was a non-factor in the game. But that's what happens when you go against one of the better corners in the league and Pat Sertan. The second, uh, on the Broncos side, I feel like Javante Williams could have had a couple, couple more yards. That's kind of an understatement, but I feel like he could have broken a couple tackles, especially ones that we've seen him break or carry defenders on, uh, occasionally. Quentin Sutton had a solid day. Uh, only three catches for sixty-one yards. Russell Wilson, like I said, not not perfect, but he did enough. Him and Sean Payton were fine. But this Broncos team, if they continue to find wins, like you said, Josh, this they can find themselves in the playoff race and I don't know, maybe nah, probably not playing a home game because they got Kansas City, but maybe make some noise in the wildcard round.
2: I could I can see that happening. Um that defense recently has it's just made a complete 180 at this point. The secondary's played incredible. Pass rush was pretty good today. Um Russell Wilsons he's played good quarterback he hasn't got the most yards but they're just they're smart no not turnovers five straight wins they're in the playoff hunt and the biggest news coming out of this game was that it was scoreigami uh 29 to 12 finally got that one knocked off the board I think it was scoreigami at 27 to 12 but regardless they got it they continue to be the hottest team in the NFL for the Browns offense wasn't great the Broncos defense was really able to kind of dominate them. DTR, he played well, but that Baron Browning hit, that was a mean hit. Uh he was bleeding. Um just a that was just a good hit. Uh he got the penalty for it, but PJ Walker comes in, and like you said, Josh, he really couldn't get anything going. Amari Cooper rib injury. This Browns offense continues to get the injuries. Uh it just really sucks to see from such a promising unit. Obviously, they lost Nick Chubb and Deshaun Watson, um, Jack Conklin. Um, just you don't want to see. And for the Browns, they have a favorable matchup in five of their last six games. Uh, I think the one game out of that that's tough for them should be the Jags, so I can I see them making the playoffs. And for the Broncos, I just looked at their schedule. Next week is a big week for them. Uh, they're going, I think, to Houston to play the Texans. That could be a huge game for the playoffs. They got the Chargers twice. Hopefully they can take one of those. Patriots, Raiders, they win that one, and then just one big game with the Lions. So It's going to be tough for the Broncos, but they have the path to make it. Speaking of that Lions game, I
1: actually had the thought today of that that being a game for weeks early in the season and even up to a few weeks ago where I was chalking that one up as the Lions are getting that one as a guaranteed win. And now I look at that as like, that it, might it be scary. It might be the second hardest game left on the schedule for the Lions after the Cowboys, honestly.
0: I mean how long ago were we talking about the Bills and another team that they were playing on Sunday night or Monday night and one of them was going like this and another one was going like this. Yeah. That kind of feels like Broncos and Lions right now. I yeah, think it does. could be real real spooky for you guys.
1: A lot of a lot of a lot of time between that game and uh and uh now. But considering both teams have had their high ups and low downs it could could be flipped by the time that game comes around. But don't,
0: we don't know how bad the Lions could get.
1: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> don't. Aaron,
0: it's not going to get they that do, bad. They do see those bears in a couple more weeks. I'm. I'm not worried about that game. Hey, if they <laughs> fire fluce they don't choke another uh 12 point lead in a matter of three minutes.
1: Hey man, that's your problem. <laughs> Fields had the, Fields had the ball in his hands when it mattered. And, then yeah, he, and he, and he, he threw it to, to Tyler hands Scott, hands and
0: he decided to, to <laughs> slow up on his route. Scott even said, hey, he did his job. It was a beautiful throw. I fucked up. That's what Tyler Scott said himself. And All that, the players if, on the team take the compilation except for of the, Have you guys seen the
1: compilation of Fields' game when he drives?
2: <laughs> How long <laughs> was it? Like 10 seconds? Or?
1: It's long because a couple of them are just incomplete pass, incomplete pass, and that takes a little bit. But – the ones like uh, the Lions game that was a quick one, about twelve seconds. Maybe, <laughs> but we're getting off track here. Regardless, next game here: Rams and Cardinals, thirty-seven to fourteen win for the Rams. Uh, that what was uh, what was the stat I brought up on the la- on the preview about uh, the Rams and the Cardinals and how many? Okay, yeah, Rams were twelve and two in their last fourteen against the Cardinals. They moved to thirteen and two, and they still have not lost in Arizona since becoming the L.A. Rams. Uh, which is just wild, uh, considering that was like, what, six, seven years ago now? It's getting to be a while. And they have not uh, lost, lost uh, against the Cardinals in Arizona. But the Cardinals in this game, they scored at the five-minute mark of the first quarter. And then they also scored at the five-minute mark of the fourth quarter. And nothing in between or after. It was bad uh, for the Cardinals, to say the least. The Rams just punished them. They went out there. They knew they were the better team. McVay is confident. A lot of the times uh, in this division, it's what teams just kind of own traditionally the other teams. For a while, they had the, the same four coaches for a minute. They had Pete Carroll, Shanahan, McVay, and Kingsbury. And it was always like, McVay owns Kingsbury. Shanahan owns McVay. Like, there was always the – and then what is it? It's, uh, Shanahan owns – or no, McVay owns Pete Carroll. Like, it's all the little intricacies there. That seems to still be playing even without Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, on the Cardinals because he's now in Taiwan or some some shit. But um, regardless, the Rams punished them in this game, and uh, the Rams are sitting at five and six
0: now. Game under five hundred. I mean, this Rams team came out and they just they wanted to punch these Cardinals in the mouth, and they did just that. If you would have told me that Matthew Stafford had four touchdown passes, but none of them went to Puka or Cup, I would be absolutely flabbergasted. Kyron Williams found the end zone twice, both of which were receiving touchdowns. He had 204 yards on the day in his first game back from the IR. I was, I'm was i just beyond impressed with what he does for this offense. And this is actually a perfect showing of what they were missing. They were in a lot of tight games while he was out because they were struggling to find a real lead back. They were going between Royce Freeman, Daryl Henderson, Zach Evans. They, they were going between those guys, and no one would really emerge as like an alpha Kyron Williams comes back immediately 140 yards. He's just a phenomenal back, putting himself into the conversation for maybe top 10 in the league, I think. And maybe they just luck out and get their second coming at Todd Gurley. But the Cardinals, on the other hand, Kyler, he started out pretty strong, nice first drive, 50 yards passing, five for seven, and he ended up finding the end zone on the ground. But the rest of the game, just nothing much else happened. It seemed like the connection between him and Marquise Brown kind of found a nice little uh, jump start. Marquise had six catches for 88 yards on the day. Uh, Kyler, he wasn't terrible outside of that first drive. He was okay. But then again, the Rams started just going into prevent because they were up by so much and they just didn't want to risk any injuries. So a lot of those 256 yards came within that fourth quarter. Uh, James Conner, he's got to get the rock a little bit more. I understand that the game script kind of leaned against that because they went down so fast. He only had six carries for 27 yards. He's such a good running back. Last week, he had a couple big carries called back because of penalties. And this week, he just didn't get the carries in the first place because the game didn't call for it. Uh, defensively, the Rams were really solid. Uh, Cardinals, I mean, you just run into a buzzsaw of a, of a running back who's just on fire from the moment he touches the, the ball. He was averaging 8.9 yards per carry. Like that. that's almost a first down every time you touch the ball. Like that's just... That's insane. He was phenomenal today. Can't Cannot praise him enough. Congrats for the Rams for maybe staying in the NFC wildcard race, especially with the Seahawks losing.
2: They're 100% in the wildcard race. Only one game out of the playoffs right now. And I think a healthy Matt Stafford and Kyron Williams, they can be dangerous and sneak into the playoffs. He said it. Kyron Williams was great today. Six catches as well. Um, considering how quiet Puka, Nakua and Cooper Cup was, they needed someone to step up. He stepped up. Tutu Atwell had a solid game. Rams outscored the Cardinals 63-23 to this year. So, like you said, Josh, they kind of just own him. Um, solid game from Kyler, I guess. He's still coming back from the injury, 256 yards. He did have 45 pass attempts. They need to be able to run the ball more with Kyler and with James Conner. Didn't really have much going there. And, like you said, Zach, nice game from Marquise Brown. Um, they had Another great game from Trey McBride. Nice to see the tight end continue to get involved and continue to grow his relationship with Kyler Murray. So, good win for the Rams. They just get the better of the Cardinals most time they play. Cardinals, still only two wins, still fighting for uh maybe the top pick in the draft. So, good game, good win for the Rams during the platform.
1: All right, we will move on then. Next game here, uh, Chiefs and Raiders. This is a game where early on, well, before the game, let me backtrack, uh, Max Crosby was doubtful going into the game. He ended up being active. He had some times where he was not playing during this game, uh, but that could be due to whatever. Um, the Raiders did start really hot in this game, though. They scored right away twice. They went up 14-0, and it was like, oh, hold on. Chiefs are really, really struggling. And then it was 31-3 to for the rest of the game for the Chiefs there. The Chiefs are just the better team, and they've had a problem over the past uh, couple weeks of second-half bad play. It was kind of the opposite this week. They were pretty iffy in the first half, five 14-14, and then played great coming out in the second half, especially on the defensive end. They played phenomenal. Uh, so you love to see that from them. They're at 8-3 and, and kind of a shaky 8-3, and three, but there are some teams that are shaky 8-3s and threes as well. The Dolphins to an extent, the Lions to an extent. Uh, so I, as long as you have wins, though, in this league, that's all that really matters. That's what I like to think of at the end of the day. There's so many times in uh, this league where you're going to have a great team, just kind of struggle sometimes against bad teams. And it just matters, like, are you going to struggle and then lose those games like the Bills were doing? Or are you going to struggle and then win those games and just move on like the Chiefs have been doing for the most part? Uh, And they won this game. Mahomes was pretty good. 300 passing yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He was pretty solid. Isaiah Pacheco was really, really, really solid as well uh, in both the pass game and the run game. Uh, so he's a guy that I would look forward to as uh, one of the top players of the week for sure. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire got in for a little bit this game. He has not been playing a ton. It's kind of a dramatic fall from grace from him uh, when he when they first drafted him early in the draft and he was going to be the replacement for Kareem Hunt essentially, and it didn't end up turning out to be that way. But regardless, Kelsey got back on track, didn't see the end zone this game though. Uh, Rashi Rice has been phenomenal this season as far as, some of the receivers on the compared to some of the receivers on this team, I would say Uh, Scantling comes off his game winning drop or game losing drop essentially last week and puts up a whopping one catch for negative one yards this game uh, on one target. So that was uh, kind of funny to see. But regardless, the Chiefs got it done uh, after a slow start.
0: Yeah, the Raiders jumped out to a quick 14 to nothing lead in the first half. And I figured I I was like inches away from sending the tweet "Are the Chiefs did, are they figured out? Because their offensive woes kind of leaked into this game as well. But they then went and scored, I believe, 21 unanswered. And then the Raiders ended up getting that field goal. And then the Chiefs had the 10 in the fourth quarter. So Mahomes, he seems to have figured it out. It or not figured it out, just got back on track. Him and Travis Kelsey seem to be on the same page today, unlike weeks prior. Although there was no Taylor Swift in attendance, Travis Kelsey did eclipse 90 yards receiving on six catches. Like you mentioned, Josh Pacheco was really, really good. He had two touchdowns on the ground and he had 34 yards uh, through the air as well. But on the Raiders side, I, I was really excited for them after that first quarter AOC was cooking. Josh Jacobs had that beautiful 60 yard touchdown run and it, it looked like they were going to run away with a nice win. Devonte Adams was getting a healthy enough, uh, amount of targets and receptions early but he ended up finishing the second half with the same stats he had at the end of the first half. They got to continue to go to their superstars at the, of, at the end of games or really just coming out of halftime because if you don't, you're going to just miss out on just having your best players with the ball in their hands. Devonte Adams is a top receiver in this league. He has been for the last four or five, maybe six years, dating back to his days with Aaron Rodgers, but – he he's still a phenomenal player. I don't get how you go away from him in a tough, in a very tough and close divisional game. Uh, even though you are at home, it's a tough game. Every time, anytime you're playing the chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, it's going to be a tough one. They got out coached in the second half. The chiefs made the adjustments. The Raiders didn't. And that's what I saw in this game.
2: Yeah. The Raiders are three and 18 versus the Andy Reid led Kansas city chiefs. He's now four and zero at Allegiant stadium. Uh, Chiefs seemed to figure some things out there in the second half and late in the first half. Like you said, they were down 14-0 and came back, dominated, and went 31 to 17. I thought AOC played all right considering how good the Chiefs defense has been. 240 yards and a touchdown solid. Josh Jacobs, I was hoping for more. He had the very nice 63 yard touchdown, but other than that run, he was really held, I think, like two and a half yards per carry. Just want to see more from this Raiders run game. Two and two since um hiring the interim head coach. Kansas City. Offensive struggles, they seem to figure some things out. Rashi Rice had a great game. Um, eight catches, 107 yards, touchdown. They got the ball to Kelsey enough. Mahomes finished the game with two touchdowns, no picks. Uh, Raiders got the bye next week, but they're kind of starting to fall out of that playoff hunt that they were in a little bit. And for the Chiefs, hopefully this offense is back on track. Um, they got the Eagles next week. So, Yep, uh, and that uh,
1: brings us to... A potential game of the year. You talked about it at the front end here, Zach. Uh, Buffalo and Philadelphia. A tough first half for Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. They are down 17-7 at half. Uh, Hurts had two turnovers in the first half, had a pick and then a fumble. And then they just kind of battled back. And the second half in overtime was just quality, quality football. Uh, And it was just great to see. We've had some really, really good games this year, but this one might take the cake for that. Um, Eagles came out of half, down 17-7, had the ball. uh, Punt had a three and out, I believe, right, uh, coming out of half. Then that's when you had – yeah, that's when we had the Bass missed field goal uh, on their first drive in the second half. And then three straight touchdown touchdown drives uh, from Philadelphia. What a response from this offense that has been up and down all season. They have a really, really tough first half. They come back and bounce back, and then we just had a back and forth game. And then we get the Gabe Davis touchdown late. Too much time on the clock for uh Hurts and the Eagles. Nick Sirianni did a good job with the timeouts uh, towards the end of the towards that last drive for the when the Bills had the ball about to score that touchdown or take the lead. There's a lot of coaches in this league that do struggle with that. That is maybe the hardest timeout scenario when you're we saw with uh, Ibraflus and the Lions last week. Uh, in the Lions game, when the Lions are driving late to go take the lead in that game, you're like, damn, okay, we're winning right now. They don't – do we use timeouts and maybe it helps them and they get the save time and think about what they're going to run? Do we not use timeouts and then just hope that when they score here uh, that there's enough time for us? Uh, he, Nick, Sirian, Nick Sirian did a great job of that. There was enough time for them to go down and get that field goal. Bill's defense played really, really good on on that last drive too. They were trying to do anything they could to keep LA out of field goal range. He makes a miracle 59-yarder in the rain. And then you get to overtime. Bills go down, kick a field goal. Definitely needed to get a touchdown on that drive. And then Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense that played well for most of the – well, all the second half of this uh, game. They carried momentum on, scored in overtime, and win a tough game.
0: Yeah, this is going to be – this is probably going to go down as one of the better quarterback duels of the entire season. Josh Allen accounted for four total touchdowns. Jalen Hurts, five, each on just by themselves. Josh Allen did have the one interception, which turned out to be the difference maker. It set up the Eagles in very, very prime position and ended up turning into, I believe, a Devonta Smith touchdown. But Josh Allen is now 0-6 in his career when he reaches overtime, regardless of him having the ball first or not. He just doesn't have the clutch gene. So for those of you at home listening – Uh, I'm sorry to break the news to you, but he, he just can't get it done when it counts. I kid, but Jalen Hurts really just played a lot better in the second half than he did in the first half. And I'm really honestly just embarrassed with the fact that DeAndre Swift hardly got any action in the first half. He, I think he had maybe two or three carries in the first quarter and then just didn't see the field at all. And then that second drive that they had after the three and out in the second half, he broke that 36-yard run, and then the run game started to open up, and it really showed how valuable DeAndre Swift is behind this really talented Eagles offensive line. Even without Lane Johnson, who was a late scratch because of, a, I think, a groin injury or something, he he was very much missed. I think there were a couple of pressures from Hurts' right side that could have been prevented if Lane Johnson was there, whether he jumps a little bit before the snap or, or not. That's That remains to be seen. But this was a very good game uh i think the eagles could have won this a lot a lot easier especially given the bills inconsistencies but this game just showed that josh allen is still one of the three best quarterbacks in the league at his best hurts can also put himself in that conversation when he's at his best especially with the use of his legs and as a, and as we saw on that walk-off touchdown he, he just has nothing else to say he's a very good quarterback and i'm very impressed with what the eagles did to come back in this game
2: yeah the eagles had a lot of help um they did just enough to win. They, Hurts played well, especially in the second half. Uh, great game from Devontae Smith we had seven catches, 106 yards, touchdown. They quieted A.J. Brown a little bit, but he did still finish with a touchdown. Uh, Josh Allen played a very good game, only had one interception, just didn't see the corner creeping in. Tough play, but other than that, he looked very good. Um, the last play for him on that throw to Gabe Davis was tough. It just kind of seemed like they were, weren't, weren't on the same page. He wanted to stay inside. Gabe Davis went outside. Uh, kind of just the story of the Bill's season at this point. Um, just couldn't finish it, but no cigar. Uh, and throughout the game, I just feel like they had a rough whistle, man. 10-1 uh, to 1 on penalties in the first half was ridiculous. That horse collar tackle in the first half um, on Josh Allen, I I don't understand that. It was right in front of the ref. His jersey was completely ripped. Uh, and then the ref proceeds to throw a flag for intentional grounding on the play when really the grounding only happened because of the horse collar tackle. So, just really doesn't I uh, – don't understand that one at all. Ten penalties in the first half for the Bills, only one for the Eagles. Uh, that potential touchdown drive turned into zero points with Jaden Carter blocking the kick, which he had a great game. Uh, continues to be incredible. But like you said, Zach, Josh Allen's 0-6 in overtime. He's 0-5 since the NFL changed the overtime rules for the Bills. So I know it's not the same rules as the regular season, but uh, rough to see. And just one thing on – the ref, Steve, I hope I say it right, Ho-Chuli, but the Eagles are 5-0 and when he refs their games, and they're 5-0 and against the spread since they have Nick Sirianni, which they're a good team, so that's going to happen, but pretty interesting. Um, and at this point, I, I think this for every single sport, and I'm not going to say the refs were terrible in the side of the game, but how, how do they force these players into these post-game conferences when they make mistakes, force them to have press conferences, but there's no press conference for referees um like that in every single sport and i just simply don't understand it there should be questions for the referees especially with how sports gambling is now we should get explanations from the refs on what they saw and on top of that there should be a ref in the box that has access to multiple cameras to help them when they make mistakes this is um like a billion dollar business it's this refs making mistakes to possibly decide games i'm not saying it happened this but just should not happen
1: yeah i mean it's the as cool as that would be it's the same situation like how the fucking the nba uh they love sending like the 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 thing that comes out like two days yeah the
0: report that comes out two days after that says oh yeah like we we got this one right but oh i'm sorry we should have awarded you guys two two more free throws on that foul that should have been called when you guys were down one but oh well tough shit yeah, it, like, it's, that, so it's not even worth it.
1: I'd rather just not even, like, I know you missed the call. I don't need to hear it. Like, I'd rather just not have to think about it. But, yeah, it would be nice to let, let them just
2: get grilled up there on the stand. I don't want to hear from the NBA or the NFL. I just want to hear straight from the refs. Just straight from the Yeah, agree. yeah, yeah. Me too, completely me too, agree. me too. Definitely.
1: All right, we're going to start off with a new segment called Stud or Dud, uh where we talk about one player that really exceeded uh, this week and one player that did played poorly, or just kind of lost their team in the game, uh, almost single-handedly. I'll start us off uh, with my first, my only stud, uh, Kyron Williams. He was fantastic today. He was a big part of the reason why the Rams had their best offensive performance of the season so far. 16 carries for 143 yards, six catches on six targets for 61 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, he was just really, really good. Matt Stafford, in his career, has n- traditionally not had – uh, running backs that he can rely on. Uh, his entire uh, timeline in Detroit, Reggie Bush was the only running back for like seven years that ever eclipsed 100 yards in a game. Uh, and he had a lot of running backs that couldn't get it done. Even in his time in uh, in LA here, he hasn't really had a ton uh, to work with as far as the running game. So Kyron Williams being great has just really helped him out, and it's good to see. And for Dudd, uh, I know I've been, uh maybe at times in this podcast run, I've been a homer. So I'm going to take this as an opportunity to uh, take some responsibility. And I'm going to go with sucks. Jared Goff. <laughs> uh, he, in the past game, might not have looked like he was a dud this week. 332 yards, 29 for 44, two touchdowns, no picks. He was great on that aspect. But three fumbles completely lost the Lions this game. I mean... Especially when they're in plus territory for the other team. When you go out there and you're just scrambling and just losing the ball, uh, that's a problem. He looked kind of lost out there uh, when he was scrambling. He had a couple really, really bad balls uh, throughout the game as well. And this kind of uh, extends to last week for me, if I'm being honest. Just the fact that he went three picks last week, three fumbles this week. I know it's a short week, uh, but maybe take that as my my two-week done. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, for me, I will go my, for my stud, I'm going to go with Pat Fryermuth. This was his second game off of the IR. And I believe last week he only had one catch, but this week he racked up 120 yards on nine catches. He was a bonafide chain mover for the Steelers, put them in fugal uh, range and brought them really close to the red zone. Numerous times in this, in this game where, the Steelers were honestly able to do whatever they wanted, so he was the he was the headliner for the Steelers' offense. In my opinion, he just made a lot of good plays in both the pass and run game, and I was impressed with him. Uh, for my dud of the week, I I have three really good ones that I could go with, but I'm just gonna stick with the one that I mentioned earlier. I'm my dud for the week is the entire Patriots' offense minus Ramondre Stevenson. Ramondre Stevenson, I believe, had 98 uh, rushing yards and that touchdown on 21 carries. I'm just ripping that off the top of my head. But the rest of the Patriots offense might as well have had, like, negative 400 yards. They were so bad. Both quarterbacks should be out of the league next year. They probably won't. Mac Jones, because he's on that rookie deal, he'll be cheap. He'll be cut. He'll get a backup gig somewhere and then lose a game for a team uh, in, like, week, I don't know, eight or nine or something when their starting quarterback gets hurt. It'll probably be for some weird team like, I don't know, probably like the Falcons or some weird shit. But I I hate everything that the Patriots have to offer as an offensive unit. Aside from Ramondre Stevenson, you are phenomenal. Props to you for being able to produce in that shit show. But, yeah, shame on you, Patriots. Shame on you.
2: Okay, for my start of the week, I'll start with some honorable mentions. Um, Arthur Smith, he gave the ball to Bijan Robinson. So just I think whenever he does that, I'll give him an honorable mention. Samson Ebukam, great game, two sacks, had a big strip sack for him the game. And Scott Hansen for announcing in the middle of possibly just a fire. Just what a gutsy performance by him out there. Uh, but I'm going to go with Jordan Love for my stud of the week. He had maybe the best performance of his career against the Lions in a big game on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, 22 for 32, 268 yards, three touchdowns. Um, maybe the best game of his career. He looked great. Um, and for my dud of the week, I was going between two. I'm going to go with Matt Amendola, 0-2 on kicks, had a chance to force overtime for C.J. Stroud to keep their hot streak going. He missed a came-up just short. Um, I feel bad for picking on a kicker, but he's my dud of the week. The other, the honorable mention is Robert Sala for listening to the media and starting Tim Boyle in a primetime game. Just absolutely ridiculous. Yep, I completely
1: agree. And that will about do it for this episode of the Engage 8 podcast. Uh, As always, don't forget to follow our socials in the description. Our Spotify link is also down there. If you prefer an audio format, you can just follow us on there. Give us a five-star rating. We'll greatly appreciate it. Uh, We will be back here on Wednesday to preview the next week of the NFL recap rivalry week of college football and whatever other things we got to touch up on before the whole season. Uh, But until then, we'll see everybody in the next one.